when I saw my granddaughter, baby Noel, for the first time last week, my heart leapt. It was incredible joy to watch Grandma hold her. And you know what? I wanted a double portion for her. I want more for her. That was my heart. It's like, Lord, give her everything that we've missed out on and, and, and just change us. Isn't that what we are with, when we're parents? We just want more. And then when you become a grandparent, it's like, I want even more. I want the love and the joy and the peace and the patience and, and the goodness and the faithfulness to rest upon that child. I want more for her. And, and, and what happens is, as, as, I, as I do that, I start focusing on my daughter who had this beautiful grandbaby, Alyssa, and, and I think about my daughters, and we start to focus and hone in on, on, on how blessed our life is and how we can bless our kids. And we make our kids a priority growing in their faith. And we try and then, parents, are you with me? Make up for the mistakes that we made. And our kids, and then maybe if, you get, if you're blessed enough to have a grandkid, and, and, and their kids. And you know what? It reminds me of a time 22, 23 years ago when I wrote this list. Out of nowhere, I just, I, you know, this is not me. I don't write stuff. If you've ever got a text from me, it's like three words or less. That's like a goal, and that's a long one. My brother-in-law is like, dude, you texted me six words. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and I wrote this list, and here's the list, and I'm going to be embarrassed a little bit because the list isn't cute or nice. It's not Christian. It's not a pastor that you should look up to. But here's the 10 loves. It's a snapshot of one day 22 years ago of my life, and here's what it said. Number one, my kids. They were the priority. I was trying to pick them up on, on, on Tuesdays and Thursdays from school, get them fed, and give them back to moms in one piece, or I was going to go to jail, supposedly. So the kids were my priority. That was top on my list. And then sex, drugs, party, and all of that stuff. And you know, we don't like to talk about sex in church because don't talk about my sexual stuff. But that's what was on my list, and I'm embarrassed. I, last night I almost said I'm not going to say that because it's embarrassing. And then it was money, and then a job, and then home, and you know, all that stuff that we think is a priority, it was really low for me. And, and the reason why is I was at the lowest point of my life. When I wrote this list, when my kids were the top priority, my life was the lowest. My life was upside down. And at that moment, I met God and he flipped my life completely over. And he changed everything for me. And today we continue on this upside down kingdom where we talk about the paradoxes in the Bible, usually from 2 Corinthians. Most of these verses are from 2 Corinthians. And we are going to learn the paradoxes. Jeremy gave us a fantastic definition of what a paradox means. And here's what it says. A seemingly absurd or self-contradictory statement, proposition that when investigated, if you don't investigate it, it makes no sense. But when investigated or, or explained, it proves to be well-fortuned or true. That's what a paradox means in human language. And that's what we're digging into over the next several weeks, heading into Easter and on Easter Sunday. The idea of an upside down kingdom. Maybe we see God's kingdom as upside down, or maybe your world is upside down, just like my 10 loves was. 
And God had to fix that. Today, my kids cannot be at the top or I will lose everything God has. God has to be at the top, then my wife, and then my kids. Otherwise, I will miss out and my kids will miss out and they won't receive the blessing because it's all cattywampus. Does anybody know cattywampus? Can you even say that at church? Hopefully it's legal. I have no idea what it means, but it sounds so cool. And so here's the message today. I just want to put it out on Front Street. Here it is. God loves you. You guys know that? God loves you. And Jeremiah 29, 11, and he has a wonderful plan for you. Unless you read the whole verse. And here's the paradox. Life's hard. He's got a wonderful plan for you, I promise you. He's got a beautiful plan because he loves you and he cares for you. Jeremiah 29, 11, but listen, there is going to be all kinds of chaos and crap and hardship during that life. But that doesn't mean he doesn't love you. He just is trying to tell you, I got plans and I'm going to use that for the glory of the kingdom of God. Maybe not for your glory, but for his glory. Does that make sense? And here's the paradoxes that we've talked about. Jeremy gave us this list last week because he designs the sermon series. He says, the way up is down. That's on, down on your knees. The, the first or last, the last or first. The least are the greatest. The poor are rich and the rich are poor. You gain life by losing it. You are exalted when you are humble. Your weakness is your strength. I hate that one. My weakness is the strength in God. That's when he can use me. He says, uh, you rule, reign, and lead by serving, not by making a lot of money or yelling from the top of your lungs. And you receive by giving. And we're going to two services on Easter, and we're going to ask people beyond that to give so that you can receive, so that we can grow, because the kingdom of God is here and now, and we are trying to help you help us help you help the kingdom of God. Amen. I have no idea what that meant, but that sounded like what my head was saying, so I'm just going to say it. The idea here is we are trying to grow in the kingdom of God and be obedient. And the next few weeks, you're going to see obedience, and it might not look comfortable. It might be awkward, but I promise you, God is here. And so here's my point today. It's really a one-point sermon. There's power in the paradox of the kingdom of God. There's power in the paradox of what Christ did on the cross, dying and resurrecting. There's power in the principles that are in the kingdom of God. And when you receive that power, you will realize how immense it is. I don't think you guys are getting it. Uh, the power of God and the power of the paradox is gigantor. The power of the kingdom of God is endless. It's boundless. It's enormous, gargantuan. It's expansive. It reaches from earth all the way to heaven and back multiple times because the kingdom of God is monumental. It's huge. Everybody say huge. I'm trying to get you to a point that there's power when we follow these principles that are paradoxes so that you and I can experience the glory of God. And last week, Jeremy talked about status. And he gave this brilliant message, and then David came up, and everything Jeremy said, I kind of forgot. But it was really good. I had to go and re-listen to it because Jeremy was just on task to give us the truth about status. And then David gave us the application on status. And here's what David said. David said this, poverty, in my head, I didn't understand poverty, but he says, poverty is a lack of hope. 
The way that I saw it, poverty is a lack of money, uh, the lack of resources, poverty is a lack of a house, poverty is a lack of job. But no, David says, once I had hope in my life, I then have a future because I know I'm going somewhere. And Jeremy just accentuated all of that about our status and who we are in the kingdom of God. And that's why 35 kids were taken and that's why 35 kids will be gone today and then we're gonna go to the next village because we got 40 more of them too. And then we're gonna go visit them. That's what God is doing. So today we're gonna go, probably one of the great chapters in the Bible, 2 Corinthians chapter four, if you have your Bible, I'm gonna read out of the NLT. And we're gonna go through this 10 verses and then I'm gonna skip to the end just because of time. But here's what it says, therefore, so everything that he said up into the past, and now he said adding all of it, and there's a lot. It'll take me weeks to figure that out. Since God in his mercy has given us a new way, that word new way actually means ministry. Since he's given us a new ministry, you and I are both ministers of reconciliation, reconciling the world back to God. We have this ministry. What should we do? You guys in the Bible? Never give up. We have this ministry, it's called the way, and we are to never give up. We, we hear, and then he kind of tells us, this is how you preach the gospel. We reject all shameful deeds and underhanded methods. We don't try and trick anyone or distort the word of God. We tw tell the truth before God, and all who are honest know this. We're not up here trying to give away free cars. Or, or free gas cards if you accept Jesus Christ. We are not trying to distort the word of God. We don't have to because there's power in the gospel. There's power in the name of Jesus. He's breaking chains today and we are experiencing that because we're here in the midst of his glory. Amen. I don't know about you, but I had a lot of coffee so you guys better pick it up. <laughs> so Paul... In his glory, used to be a guy named Saul, Saul of Tarsus, that's who he was. Do you guys know that? Saul of Tarsus, and at one point, he received Jesus, and then he had this call to serve him through whatever life had brought him. And if you know the story of Paul, it wasn't beautiful. His life was horrible. He was single his whole life. He might have had a relationship prior to, but he gave up his as a high-ranking Jew and he says I'm gonna live for Jesus and his life really wasn't something to be posted about it wasn't a great Facebook Instagram story it was really tragic but we see him as one of the most amazing characters because he went from Saul of Tarsus to Paul and he says never lose heart regardless of what trial and tribulation you go through and Paul went through a bunch of them I could read you a verse of all the things that he went through because Here's the paradox. Life is hard. For whatever God is doing in this church, this church has had a lot of loss. And you know why God has brought everybody here? Because we have a powerful God that ministers in this community center each and every week to heal that loss and that brokenness, to break the chains of, of, of loss so that we can experience the freedom that God has in our life in Jesus Christ. And so he uses those moments, and I feel your pain. Trust me, I do. Here's what it says in verse 3. If, if's a big word, if the good news we preach is hidden behind a veil, it's hidden only from people 
who are perishing. Let's get back to that word. People are dying. Let's get back to that in a second. Here's what it says. Satan, who is the little G God of this world, has blinded the minds of those that don't believe. So why are we casting stones at them? It's Satan, little G God. They are unable to see the glorious light of the good news. They don't understand the message. If you know someone and they're against you, it's not because they're against you, they're against God because Satan has, has blinded them. They don't understand the glorious message of Jesus Christ in his life, who is the exact likeness of God. Satan has blinded us, and it's crazy. So let's talk about it. Do you guys realize how many people are going to die today? 332,000 plus are going to die today. 3.85 every second. So just right now, 20 people died. So we can look at this chart and we can go, wow. Or we can look at this chart and go, man, I've got a lot of work to do. I've got a lot of people to talk to. I've got a lot of people in my family and my neighborhood that I need to talk to about Jesus. Because by the end of the day, over 332 people are going to die. How many of them are going to perish without the gospel? Because we aren't obedient and willing to say, hey, Jesus is alive. And we are in the midst of God moving in our, com in our community, in our country, and in the world. We're seeing it all over. And I promise you this, God has called this church to be a big part of the movement of what's going to happen in Ventura County. I know that's what God wants to do. People in the world, in the country, uh, in our state are blinded by Satan. And what we do to invite them is we cast stones at them. You're a sinner. What kind of lifestyle are you living? You can't come in here. You can't use that bathroom. You can't do this. And what we do is we cast stones instead of opening up the front doors and say, come and see the goodness of God and watch the power of God change their life. I sounded like my sister right there. <laughs> you know what our culture does? Our, our culture is killing the church. You guys know that, right? Culture is killing the church because culture worships self. Selfish and self-centeredness rules our society because my truth is my truth and my truth is my truth and my truth just destroys my relationship with God because it's not God's truth. Whatever you believe, my truth is just my truth and it can direct me away from God. Culture is killing, uh, uh, is killing the church because it's worshiping self. That's this church. I sometimes go, oh, it's not our church because we're good. Trust me, it's killing us. Everyone here, online, outside, it's killing us. You know why? Little G God, Satan, who has dominion over this place, is, is doing it intentionally. Because he worships self until he was cast down. He thought he was the most important. And so we've got to break that chain every day. Satan has dominion over us, and he's shielding God's light. And someone that you're struggling with in your neighborhood, in your work, in your school, in your home, that, that is casting stones upon you, you've got to love them, like Kim said, and let that kindness lead them to repentance and watch the gospel flip their life upside down. Amen. Even though... We and those that don't believe are made in his likeness. 
in his image, we still don't recognize him until we finally see him for who he really is, until that light shines. And here's what verse 5 says. You see, we don't go around preaching about ourselves, Jeff. We preach about Jesus Christ who is the senior pastor of this church, and he is the leader of this church. It's not me, it's not Jeremy, it's not Tara, it's not Kim, it's not Ashley, it's not anybody. Our lead pastor here is named Jesus Christ, and we seek him every day. I hope. I hope. And we ourselves are servants for Jesus' sake. We don't boast about selves. We don't boast about what we've done. We boast about what Jesus Christ has done in us and through us. And for his sake, we then become servants of the, king, the kingdom and, and watch God work deep within us. Verse 6, for God who said, let there be light and darkness, has made the light shine in our hearts so that we can know the glory of God that is seen in the face of Jesus Christ. Did you get what he just said there? First of all, he says there, that God has uh, this light that brings into darkness. There's God who brings light into darkness, and he shines on that. But he said this. Did you get it? The glory of God is Jesus. That's what it just said. He says that, that, that actually that the glory of God is seen when you come face to face in Jesus. Now, we're not going to physically see him. You're going to meet him in the spirit, and that spirit is going to flip you upside down and change your life so that you can feel the glory of God and watch his presence move you out of darkness into light so that you can experience his glory and live for it. And we'll explain what all of that means at the end of the sermon. Paul, on his way to Damascus... He was called Saul of Tarsus. He was a different man. He had a different name. He was going to, dis to kill churches like this. His job was to come into journey uh, on a Sunday morning at 945, waiting, sitting in the middle of the church, and then he wanted to persecute and kill all of us because he thought the way of, of Jesus Christ was destroying Judaism. But then he gives us his testimony, and in Paul's mercy, in his testimony, his life was flipped upside down, and he says this, he says, from heaven a light shone into my life, and my darkness was revealed, and in that moment, Acts chapter 9, verse 3, he says, Jesus says in red letters, he says, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? That's the darkness in him, and the light comes in and shines, and he says, Paul's like, well, who are you, God? And he says, well, I'm Jesus. And Paul's life was flipped upside down forever because one thing, his darkness was addressed. Now, I have darkness and if I have darkness, I know you guys do. And you're like, well, Jeff, you went to jail and we're locked up, so of course you're dark. Well, yeah, so are you. <laughs> so don't cast stones on me. I know you all got darkness. But here's what I want to do. I want to do something. There is a prayer movement going on in our church. You guys know that? There is a prayer movement going on in our church. We are... There's a prayer movement going on in this church. I'm sorry, God, that we have to beg for excitement for your kingdom. I'm sorry, Lord. There's a prayer movement going on in this church. And every week I'm trying to find unique ways to add it into the service. So you guys all stand up.
If you need a light, the light of Jesus Christ in your heart today, I'm going to pray. I'm going to read this. I'm going to read the first paragraph, and then I'm going to ask you guys to join in when it says, Lord. But this is your opportunity to say, Lord, reveal my darkness and let me receive this light. And watch the chains break and freedom come and the glory of God rise. From this moment on, we're drawing a line in the sand and saying, I want light. Who wants light? Let's invite the light in. Holy Spirit, move right now. Holy Spirit, move right now. God, with you there is no darkness. Your character has no shadow. You are pure and good, yet in this broken world we see so much darkness all around us. There is pain and sickness and disease in our community and many of our homes and in this church right now. And so will you guys all join in here? I want you to read this with me. I want you just to invite the light. Ready? Lord, bring your light and your restoring presence to dark places in our lives. Bring your hope to our hearts that are feel defeated. Bring your love and compassion to those that are in pain. Give us faith to say with the psalmist, Lord, you light my lamp, and my God illuminates my darkness. May your light of hope shine in all of our darkness. Show us glimpses of your glory, Jesus, right now. In your busyness, in, the, in our busy world, help us take a moment to be still and know that you are God. Slow down. Breathe deeply and release our burdens to your strong hand. Lord, you are trustworthy, you are good, true, and we thank you for caring for us so deeply. Father, open our eyes to see you at work in us today. Give us your light, Jesus, in your precious name, amen. Father, I pray for a spirit of movement right now. There's someone that's receiving that light and it's bringing them to a place of freedom. And I ask right now in your glorious name that we celebrate that, that chains are lifted and glory is here and the freedom of Christ is here. And then we receive that light. Everybody say we receive it. In Jesus' name, go ahead and be seated. Give it up. We now have this light shining in our hearts. Do you guys realize that? We now accept it. If you didn't know it before, and many of you did, but now you have it because you're taking it. You're pulling it down from heaven, and you're saying, I have this light. And he says in verse 4, we now have this shining light in our house, but we ourselves are like fragile clay jars containing this great treasure. This is us, and it's fragile. Do you guys realize how fragile this is? This is us. And he says, this makes it clear that our great power is from God, what's inside the jar, not what's outside the jar, not the jar itself. It's not from ourselves. Remember, the power of God is in your weakest moments. When you finally get on your knees and you cry and say, Lord, I can't take this. I can't take this disease. I can't take this death. I can't take this divorce. When you finally get down on your knees and you turn it over to God, at that weakest moment, he is the strongest because he's holding you and he's the footprints in the sand. 
The problem is none of us want to get down on our knees to be elevated in the glory of God. We want to stand and, uh, and, and do it on ourselves and I can do it. I, I've been told I'm tough. And it's not just men. Women are tough. I was going to say stubborn, but you don't want to call women stubborn. <laughs> We're all stubborn. So what is the treasure? The treasure is the greatest of the gospel of Jesus Christ. The gospel points to us to who? Jesus. You guys read your Bible before? In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was God, and the Word was with God, and the gospel, the gospel is the history of, of Jesus on this earth and he comes into the world and he is then pointed as the treasure that everyone is to bow and every knee will bow because of that great treasure. The glory of God is made evidence through the gospel. Maybe you guys should read the gospel. Mark, you could end it by the end of Easter, 16 chapters, and read what God is and who he is through Jesus Christ. He is the light of God, and knowing God through Jesus brings us the light, and then we can bring glory to him by knowing him because Jesus Christ is the greatest treasure ever created on this earth. Now, if that's the first time you've, been, you've heard that, praise God. But if you've been in church, you guys need to know the gospel leads us to Jesus. One thing and one thing only, Jesus Christ, Lord and Savior, Lord of all. And he is the thing that gives us power. And it's what's inside the clay jar that makes it valuable. It's not me. The only thing I've done is not drink and use and gone to jail in 20 years. Other than that, I have Christ and only Christ to point to. And it's because he's given me the ability not drink and use that I have the ability to even say that. Christ is shining in the middle of our fragile... I don't want to touch it, it might break. <laughs> and that brings us to the power of the paradox. You guys want to know the power of the paradox? It's in the next few verses. Because this is us and there's a light in here. Do you guys want to see the light? I'll show you the light. I know some of you guys are worried about it. But the light we're talking about is Jesus Christ. And here's what it says. And there's tension here. I love when Jeremy talks about the tension. There's tension in the Bible because God has a wonderful plan for you and God loves you, but life is hard. And the next verses tell us about how hard life is. He says, we are pressed on every side by troubles, but we are not crushed. We are perplexed, but not driven to despair. We are hunted down like villains in our neighborhood because we preach Jesus and have a cross on our front lawn. But we are not abandoned because God is with us. Yet we get knocked down, but we are not destroyed because God in all of his glory shines through all of our brokenness. God in all of our glory, every broken thing in your life is an opportunity for God to shine through. Every hole in your heart from a death or a loss is an opportunity for God to shine through. The moment you realize the weight of that statement, the gospel will take off in your heart. 
the moment you realize the Holy Spirit is building a, a, a work and a shift. You guys feel there's a shift. There's a shift in our messages. There's a shift in our mindset. The church is moving in a different direction, not because we want to. I'm actually going, I don't know, God. I'm a little bit comfortable in where I'm at. But God told me this week, put your house on the line. My wife doesn't know this. Put your car on the line. Put everything out for the kingdom of God. And if we lose it all, he will be the crack and we will see him go through that in the glory of God. The power and the paradox in Jesus Christ is I get knocked down, but I get up again. We're not going to sing Chumbawamba, so don't even think about it. But that's the song, I get knocked down and I get up again. It's not because it's a cool song, because it is, but some of the lyrics aren't appropriate. But it comes from a proverb. The apostle Paul, who was Saul of Tarsus, was studying to become a leader of the Pharisees and the Sadducees. He was going to be elevated to the top-ranking Jew, and he knew his proverbs. Do you guys know your proverbs? Here's what it says. Proverbs 24, 16. Here's what it says. The godly may trip seven times, but they will get up again. You guys will get up again. But one disaster is enough to overthrow the wicked. And all the wicked means here is it doesn't mean everybody that are evil people that doesn't know the gospel or on the other side of your political belief. It means non-believer. And you know people in the world, one disaster just destroys them because they don't have hope. Because what did David say? Poverty is a lack of hope. You can be a billionaire living in the hills up here and have no hope and want to leave this world. It doesn't matter where you live. If you got a helicopter and a Lamborghini, you could have a lack of hope and want to exit this world. But you could be the poorest person in this room and have Jesus Christ, and you know that he's going to provide a little bit of food for you tonight, and you then become the richest person in all the church because of his glory. It's the light of Jesus that shines in us. It's the light. Living in the power of the paradox brings glory to God, and it's enormous. And church, we, we should just sit here for a moment. It's enormous. Do you guys feel that? Yes. Amen. It's enormous. It's gigantor. I, a gigantor? That sounds like a, a Godzilla and a gargantuan. Here's what verse 10 says. This is the first 10 verses, and I'm going to skip up. It says, through our suffering bodies, this is you. It's got cracks. It's broken. It's got a huge hole in your heart because of some loss. It's through our suffering bodies. Our bodies continue to share in the death of Jesus Christ so that the life may also be seen in our bodies. When you suffer and you claim Jesus, you are suffering for Christ and in that he's magnifying that power and in that the people around you are going, how is that person walking through that? And they're looking at your crack or you're looking at that gaping wound and they're saying that's incredible. I've never seen anything like it. What kind of testimony is that? 
verse 16, when we jump up, and he's just talking about the next few verses. He's talking about our broken body and how it works and builds us. And then in verse 16, it just kind of continues on with the same thought. That's why we never give up. Though our bodies are dying, our spirit is being renewed by the light of Jesus Christ. Every day you wake up, the spirit is being renewed. Every day through the brokenness, it's not because of what you were doing, and it's not because your jar has less cracks than mine. It's because God renews us each and every day. You wake up with a fresh, clean slate that you get to dirty or keep clean, depending on how you want to live. You wake up with that fresh glory each and every day. And he's just reiterating what he said in verse 1. Therefore, this is verse 1, since God in his mercy has given us this new way of life, this new ministry, never give up. Never give up. Someone here wants to give up. Don't give up. Don't give up because of me. Get, don't do it because that's what the text says. But if you need help, come to us. Come to the prayer team. Reach out and, and let us help you. Verse 17, and you know what? I, uh, I normally read this verse in between 16 and 18 because I think 18 is the verse for me. But my friend Michelle, our women's ministry leader, looked at this verse and it blew me away because this is one of those verses I sometimes just overlook because there's so many rich pieces of text in uh, 2 Corinthians 4. Verse 3 and verse 6 and verse 7 and 8, 9, and 10 and verse 18 that you sometimes overlook it. And my friend Michelle, she kind of sat and she said, this is my favorite verse. And I'm like, what? Are you reading the Bible, I am? And she goes, yeah. Here's what it says. For our present troubles are small and they won't last a very long time. Really? Are your troubles small? Yet they produce a, a, for us a glory that vastly outweighs them, and they will last forever. And Michelle, we were talking about this verse, and she's just like, this is my verse. This is what she holds on to. Because the truth is, our troubles are heavy. I don't know if you've ever ha had a, a, a loss, but that's heavy. And it doesn't last very long, but just a lifetime. But God gave Michelle an eternal perspective. And it helped me have an eternal perspective. Our trials produce glory that will last eternity. So if I suffer for 65 years on this earth for the glory of God in heaven, there will be a, a blessing or glory because I did it for the kingdom of God. And yes, we weigh the weight of loss and, and, and addiction and divorce. It just raises, it, 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 it rains heavy on us. But God is like, 80 years is nothing for eternity. Hold on to what you have. Use it as a crack for the glory of God to shine through and watch his glory shine. I never saw that verse that way. So let's get to the application. It's time to go. So here's what I do. I usually give you some application, then we get out of here and we get into the topper's line and push around people so we can get to the front. But I want to do something different today. I want to do application and understanding. 
Because here's what I'll say. Here's the application. Seek the light of Jesus Christ. Come on, church. Seek the light of Jesus Christ. Here's the second application. Uh, live out the power of the paradox. Praise God. And then finally, give all the glory to God. Well, what does any of that mean? We have all these Christian phrases, but does anybody really know what that means? What does it mean to live in the light of Jesus Christ? What does it mean to live in the power of the paradox or Jesus Christ? What does it mean to give God the glory? Well, let's try and get into some understanding instead of just saying some random cool phrases like I'm Captain America and I'm going to save the world. And let's get some understanding into it. So here's the first one. Uh, seek the light of Jesus Christ. What does it mean to live in the light? Well, we just prayed and asked God to reveal some darkness in us and live in the light. But here's what the Bible says. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. And then a few, a few verses later, here's what it says. First of all, everybody put your light out. We don't do Bible uh, school anymore because we lost our generation. But what does this mean? This little light of mine. Don't let me sing it. Will you guys sing it, please? You guys have no idea what you're singing, do you? This is our light, and we're going to let it shine, right? But here's where it comes from. Jesus is the light of the world. It says in John chapter 1, verse 4 and 5, the word gave life to everyone that was created. So Jesus gives life to everyone that was created, and his light, life brought what? Light. That light shines in our darkness, and that darkness could never extinguish what's going on inside with Jesus Christ. Our light can never extinguish, I mean, the darkness can't extinguish it. So here's what happens. Light exposes darkness. So here's what happened. 2004, I walk into a church. My mom picks me up from a place so that I can get out of jail and come back to normal society with my tail between my legs. I went to court the first day, got my rights back to see my daughter, served, my, uh, served some papers so that I could see my daughter. And then that Sunday, I went to church. I had already read my Bible. By the time I got out, I read it 100%. And, and, and then I didn't really know what it meant, but I read it. And I had to learn that Jesus is the light of the world and that he exposes all my darkness. And from that moment I learned that, I have been inviting Jesus into all of my sin, into all of my shame, into all of my guilt. I did it a couple weeks ago and my wife's like, oh, it's March 1st, I know you're reevaluating your life. Deactivate Netflix and do all these things because I'm trying to get into a better place with Jesus Christ and I'm trying to invite him. That's what it means. Let light that we prayed for expose darkness so that darkness will flee and the light will rise and Jesus will live in a greater place in your life. That's what it means. I'll help you guys. Live in the power of the paradox. Why? How? What? What does that mean? Well, there's power in the name of Jesus, and that power is done by the Holy Spirit, okay? That's number one. Jesus isn't here. He's at the right side in, uh, of God, and there's power that he left behind. This is a gift, and this gift is to bring peace, and in that peace, there's power, and you can live in the paradox and watch the power. The power is following God no matter what life brings. Death, disease, addiction, there's power by following God no matter what happens. Living in these paradoxes, all these paradoxes are, there are principles, that list that Jeremy created, there are principles of God that we are to live so that we can show Christ in every part of who we are. I get knocked down and I get up again. I was going to sing the song, but you don't want to do that. Here's the thing, we usually come to church 
This is usually speaking to the Christian person. It's like, man, I got to get back to church. I got to get my marriage right. I got to get back to church. I got to get my addiction under control. I got to get back to church. I'm watching too much porn. I got to get back to church. My finances are upside down. Here's the thing. God wants to fix those, but God just doesn't want to fix part of you. He wants to fix all of you. And he wants you to come before him, let that light expose and fix every part of you. And that might take your whole life. Thanks, Fernie, for clapping, brother. That might take your whole life. I've been doing this for a long time and I still got stuff I've got to work on. There's still cracks and crevices that I need to bring God into. So the power of the paradox is Jesus wants to fix every part of your life, not just your marriage. Yeah, your marriage is jacked up. He wants to fix that. But he wants to fix the reason, the root cause of that. Here's the last part. Glory. What does it mean to bring glory to God? What does glory even mean? Here's what the dictionary says. Glory is an honor won by notable triumphs. Glory is an honor won by notable triumphs. That means that you give God glory when you have uh, something horrible happen or something ridiculous happen or some sort of accident happen and you give God glory and there's a victory in that and people around you are like, praise God, I've never seen somebody walk through something like that. That's beautiful. That's glory and that's honor through that triumph it also means worship and praise and thanksgiving in the midst of your trial that's how we give glory to God in the midst of your uh, triumph we celebrate together as a church what better way to honor God than by following him and celebrating all of the worst things that have ever happened in your life I do it every Sunday I give you all of my dirt I stand up here and tell you that I love sex more than I love my kids and my job and my work. And I don't do that because I'm trying to shock you. I'm doing that to be honest with you. Because I don't want that darkness to reign in my heart and kick me out of ministry because I disqualify myself because I'm so afraid of talking about sex that I won't talk about it at all and hide it in the closet. What better way to honor God than stand before a group of people and be honest. That brings glory to God. I go back to my little grandbaby, and this is the close. Should I just lie to her and say everything's going to be perfect and you're never going to have a problem? No. That's just disrespectful because the truth is my little grandbaby, just like my daughter's, are going to have bruises and brokenness. <laughs> she's going to have scrapes and scars. And she's going to have heartache and hurts that are beyond anything that we want for her. But if I'm willing and I'm bold enough and I'm, uh, if I'm willing, I can teach her that no matter what, honey, that God will shine through that brokenness if you trust in him and follow him all the days of your life. So here's the close. So we don't look at troubles that we cannot see. We don't look at the troubles that we can see now, sorry. Rather, we fix our gaze on those that are unseen. I don't know if you guys can see the Holy Spirit moving, but it's working in someone's life right now. 
And if it's just one person that gets touched today, isn't that worth all of church today? Isn't that worth all the glory today that we come together and one person is healed, saved, and chains are lost, and, and there's healing in the name of Jesus? Isn't it worth it? Wouldn't we be celebrating? For the things we see now will soon be gone, but these things we cannot, but the things we cannot see, they're going to last forever. So how do we give glory to God? Let me do it real quick. First of all, you invite someone to church. We're going to have two services on Easter. It's going to be empty unless you guys invite somebody. We've got a digital way that you can do it. Go to the website. Jeremy's got it all set up. You can send it out. Send a text. Just invite a bunch of people. Number two, remember somebody's name in church. Put on a name tag. I was going to say frickin', but you can't say that. Put on a name tag like we used to do before COVID and let people get to know you. My name's Jeff, by the way. I'm one of the pastors here. Remember someone's name. Number three, pray for other people. Don't throw stones at your neighbor because they don't believe like you or don't vote like you. Pray for them. Number four, live for Jesus Christ. And, oh no, no, number four, love. Really love the world one person at a time. It's that kindness that leads people to repentance. It's not your, your, your idea or your ideology or your theology. Number four or five, live for Jesus Christ. Live, live, really live. And number, five, uh, number six, let the brokenness in your life shine. Jesus Christ. Let's pray. Father, we love you. And we claim you and we thank you for your word because your word holds truth. And in your word, we find healing and we find uh, glory, we forget forgiveness and repentance. And there's someone online today that's going to receive Jesus for the first time. There's someone here that's going to receive the light of Jesus Christ. And so, Father, that person that is lost, all they have to say is, Father, forgive me. Come into my heart and be my Lord and Savior. The Bible says, if I confess with my mouth and believe in my heart, you, are sa- you, you can be saved. So all you got to say is, come into my heart, Lord Jesus. You died on the cross for me. And you rose three days later so that I can be with you and for eternity. We claim that victory over everyone. And we ask for healing as we sing this last beautiful song. And all God's people said, amen.